Welcome to the Cosmic Reality Radio Show, where our hearts are our masters. Your hosts are Nancy L. Hopkins and Walt Silva. Producing the show is Colleen Kelly. The theme song is called Disturbance and is written and performed by Renate Jet and Jet Music. You are listening to Wolf Spirit Radio at wolfspiritradio.com. And you are live. Hello, everybody out there. This is the Cosmic Reality Radio Show. My name is Nancy Hopkins. My co-host is Walt Silver. Our producer is Colin Kelly from Haggy Shack Radio. And the date is November 15th, 2016. I hope everybody's uh, had an interesting, or at least a safe, well, you can't help but have an interesting last week. Um, how you doing today, Walt? Hello, everybody. I was telling Nancy before the, during the intro that uh, tonight is Cosmic Reality P.E.M.T. And she says, what the heck is that? And that means post-election new timeline. And she will bring you all up to speed on this. So we'll have fun about it. Right? <laughs> uh, I certainly hope so. Colleen, how are you surviving? Are you, do you have any uh, new insight in the uh, the final results? Nope. <laughs> Any comments at all? I believe what Fulford said, that she was told to uh, back off or we'll arrest her. Colleen? Um, no, I'm asking Walt. Colleen? <laughs> was she mentioned in Fulford's? No, I, I was saying that um, uh, you should have gotten it in your ear. I know you have four days' worth of emails to sift through, but... Um, that's one of the things that I don't know if you want me to read you the paragraph. Yeah, go ahead. I did read the I, – well, I read a Fulford report from, I guess, this week. But the election hadn't gone off. No, the one I w- read, it hadn't gone off Okay, yet. it says – okay, here we go. Um, okay. The, the first two paragraphs read the following – okay. It says, in the war against the Gazarian Mafia, the election of Donald Trump as President of the United States is as the Russian victory at Stalingrad was for World War II, a tight-turning victory. However, it also means the war is far from over. This is how a source who was in a secret meeting in Antarctica on November, on the U.S. November 8th election day, day described the situation. And then he begins with quotation marks. The whole election strategy changed when John Kerry went to Antarctica as ordered. He was told by the special elite, the Gnostic Illuminati, who are still in control of his planet, to tell Obama and Clinton to back off and let Trump win. As we know, Hillary is only a front for the cabal and will most likely self-terminate within a few months at the most. Bill Clinton is at the endgame now. His quadruple bypass surgery is not able to pump blood through his lifeless body anymore. We are informed that he will be gone by year-end. Then, <clears throat> this order to carry <clears throat> was followed by a special forces attack on a Kazarian base in Denver that successfully stopped cabal efforts to steal the U.S. election on behalf of their zombie proxy Hillary, CIA sources say. The Pentagon, for their part, say, begin quotes, mass arrests began right after the election. But heard Hillary cried a river when told to concede or she'll be arrested. President Obama was ordered to stay in D.C. 
finish ISIS, stop delaying the global currency reset, and meet Trump to ensure a smooth transition. And then, in addition to this, the U.S. military is advising President-elect Donald Trump to, quotation marks again, not appoint neocon, neocon Jews. And then he puts in brackets, all Jews must recuse themselves from senior government positions until it can be confirmed that they are not working for the Khazarian Mafia, close bracket. Uh, so it's not a point neocon Jews bank, Jewish bankers or Bush minions to the cabinet or White House, close quotations. And it also, he also mentions the thing that I've seen posted, uh, that um, Soros is the one funding those uh, posters, you know, those demonstrations, you know, anti-Trump demonstrators. So it's the Pentagon source to say, Soros-funded protests have sped up the Trump plan to terminate the Bush-Clinton cabal before inauguration. So, I guess... <laughs> so who is Soros? Who's he working for? That's that guy that looks like a, like a shriveled-up vampire. Oh, God, I don't know if I know him. Do I know him? <laughs> At least that's what his pictures look like on the Internet. It looks like a shriveled-up vampire, so... And he's working for the Clintons or the cabal? Okay, so so essentially what seems to be coming out from the last Fulford, I didn't read this one, but the last one, and it, it so you've got the, uh, what did they call them, the Illuminati? Um, oh, they're not, the, it's, a, it's not the Illuminati that we know that's associated with the cabal. It's a group called the Gnostics, Gnostic Illuminati, that's their full name, okay. and they're the ones who met with, with this guy, Terry, in, in Antarctica. Okay, so we've got those players. So the Cabal still has it under the Illuminati, but not this Gnostic Illuminati. So we got two Illuminatis now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. God, I wish they'd use different names. Yeah, well, that's the, that's the idea. Always usurp something that's positive and make it negative. For example, the swastika, which was known by the Aztecs and was known in ancient India. The name of it is Tan. And the tan is a symbol of perfection. So it was used, you know, and for metaphysical and metaphysical studies. What did they do? They grabbed it for their own use. They, they take that as... Andrew Bars has always speaks of this, how they use the energy of ancient symbols, and instead of using it, you know, for something good, they're using it to fuel their own craft. Which by now you know, like the uh, case in point, the pentagram. The pentagram is never a satanic symbol. It's a symbol representing the balance of the elements, and yet they grabbed it, you know. So every time, you know, there's, there's power symbols for good things, you know, they grab it and they, they try to fuel their stuff. So <clears throat> here, here is the end of the road, Shungite. <laughs> That's one symbol. That's one thing you cannot grab and use it for negative things. So the, this is where the box stops. It stops on Shungite. <laughs> Well, the, the you know, my, I kept telling people, don't vote because it doesn't matter. And um, because essentially any president that's been in has been controlled. Uh, Obama seemed to go in with all this wonderful stuff and nothing. Um, I was, I actually, and I've said this, that I actually thought that a lot of the things that Trump was saying I, I would I would say the same things. 
but it was the package and that he was um, all the things we know negative about him. I mean, I, I badmouthed the guy quite, quite often. So, but I also had this, you know, like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> what is this? But then when it got to be the second hour of last week's show, I suddenly got like a, a download that, that led me into this. Well, we just we just have to change the timeline. Like all of a sudden it became kind of clear to me. Oh, we just have to change the timeline. Whoever's elected will just change the timeline. Um, they can work for us. We, they, we don't have to follow them. We don't have to be led by them. There's just a timeline change. They will, because every, there's all sorts of versions of ourselves. There's the good version, the bad version, the okay version, the talented version, the successful version, the past. There's all these versions on di different timelines. So if we have the timeline that is what I say is, is closer to the Garden of Eden timeline than the old Matrix timeline, then all we have to do is put up whoever it is and put our energy into making them into who they need to be in order to lead us into a more perfect uh, future. But I was like, okay, well, that sounds reasonable to me. And you said, well, if they don't have a soul, and I said... Well, but you, when you said that, it was sort of like you kind of, I felt that we were talking about Hillary, that you were kind of supposing Hillary was the one that was going to win, and I went right along with it because I thought Hillary was going to win. I didn't see this thing with Trump happening because of the fact that... One of the things that I was uh, talking with Stephanie, uh, we were talking on Skype before the election, and remember how we were you know, joking around, and I said, well, why can't I have a, a redneck president? And we were, you know, uh, poking fun at this whole election subject. And one of the things I said to her, you know, this is in all seriousness. Given a choice, you can only cho choose one of two individuals. And we know how he is. He's crass. He comes across as someone with little education. You know, like it, sometimes it makes you wonder if he was raised in a barn. Well, whatever the impression that the man gives you, he is what he is. He's not pretending to be something that he's not. Yet the other woman is, uh, everybody labels her, you know, that she's a fake and a pathological liar. So given the choice, I'll stick with the, well, I, with the one that I know what I'm getting. You know, I'm buying tomatoes, I'm getting tomatoes. This other woman, I, I don't know what I'm buying. <laughs> so that, that was my... I think at least you know where you're standing. You know, this is what he is. He doesn't pretend to be something he's not. The other woman, you know, I don't know. I mean, the articles just seem to come nonstop. Now, you know, for some time there were the articles about her involvement in the Middle East and all these deaths that happens because of her manipulations. Now her name is being, the, not only her name, but the entire Clintons are being connected to this pedophile ring. So it's like it's everything just coming to the surface. It seems nonstop. Once you open that kind of worm, there's no, there's no way to get the worms back into the can. Well, interestingly enough, okay, we get off the show, and um, 
I'm, I'm listening to MSNBC and CNN, and I'm going back and forth, and then pretty much I got onto MSNBC. And it was really a very, in, I mean, I was laughing most of the night, and I stayed up until, I don't know, after 2 o'clock. And, and I just kept laughing because it was like every preposterous scenario that would give a, uh, the election to Trump was happening. And it just was like the, the reaction of the people who thought they absolutely understood what was about to happen was really intriguing because Rachel Maddow, for instance, I used to follow Rachel. I thought she was brilliant. And then she spent 20 minutes telling me how stupid I was because I believed that fluoride was a poisoning agent in water. 20 minutes this woman went after myself, I mean, in my, my whole way of thinking, with a lot of real venom involved in it, you know. And after that, I never listened to her again. So, But she was on the MSNBC uh, staff that night. And so is Chris Mathis, who is normally very opinionated, um, very out there, you know, this is what I think, and blah, 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 you know, and, and you always pretty much know what he's about to say. And as the night wore on, it became more and more apparent that Trump was about to win. Rachel became <laughs> more, oh, I don't even know how to explain it. She went... Deeper and deeper into the world is ending. The world is ending. This is awful. And Chris is going like, wow, I wonder what just happened. How did this just happen? This couldn't have happened. Wow, maybe this guy is not who I thought he was. He went completely the other way. He opened up to what might be happening versus what he thought was about to happen. And she had just the opposite reaction. If it didn't happen the way she thought it was, well, then we're end, ended and doomed. But at least he and others, you know, but he was the one that was standing out, took a different turn. And it was most interesting to see this, uh, the, the, the two different ways that the establishment was being affected by something that they considered absolutely magical in that it never should have happened. It couldn't happen. could possibly happen. And there it was. It was happening. So most of, the, most of the night I was just like giggling because it was just such a obvious to me that somebody was mucking with everything. You know, every, nothing was happening the way it should. Well, later on, listening to the pollsters, they, um, they said that what they missed or what they disregarded was the continual saying of everybody they were polling, we want change, we want change, we want change. And they didn't give that enough power behind its meaning in that we want change so bad we don't care who the guy is, what he looks like. We want change. We do not want this continual Clinton, Bush, Clinton, Bush, Obama, Clinton, Bush. <laughs> they don't want that anymore. But I think the key to it was the fact that one of the, one of the uh, commentators, one of the, the people that had been following with Trump, he said, you know, it was the difference in the number of Trump 
cards, you know, those little signs on people's lawns. He said, you go places, and all you saw was Trump. You never heard, saw anything from Clinton. And if we had just counted those, we would have known what was about to happen. In other words, it was always there. It was, it was right in their faces. But it was the Trump people that seemed to understand, um, you better go talk to the people that got your sign out front and, and get them going, get them motivated to get other people to the polls. So the, it was, when, you, when, you look, when they looked back at it, it was almost like, oh, my God, this is too blatant. This is obvious. Trump kept saying it was a movement. The media kept telling, showing only clips of him being a jackass. They weren't getting into some of the things he really was saying, apparently, because after the fact, now you find out, oh, he said this and he said that and he said this, you know. So I felt like there was, I, and I felt energetically there had been a timeline change. And oddly enough, just to that, from that 8 o'clock time on, the people in the media were saying something changed at eight o'clock <laughs> you know and I'm going yeah I think we had a timeline a major timeline shift so the next day um, I had a, a world talk program on Wednesday and after that show I went over to um, uh, to Google and I said okay if there was a timeline change which seemed to be pretty obvious by that point then there's probably a change in images because I've learned that when you have a major timeline change, you start to get changes in images. Just like the Bible thing, you know, where the Bible's being changed, but the first indicator seems to be changes in, in and it's because I've gone through this before and seen it. So I said, let me just go over to Google and images and I put in Donald Trump. Now, well, actually, the first one I said, okay, I said, all right, what happened was I saw, I saw his speech Wednesday morning. And when he came, there was a, a stage, and you could, they had the, the camera pointed towards the curtain area. And when this man walked out, I absolutely started crying because I was so shocked that this was not the same man I had seen just a few hours before, a day before. It was a total different energy. He looked totally different. Um, I was just absolutely shocked. And then he comes out on stage. He starts his singing. But, I mean, he doesn't start talking, but the, the rest of the family comes out. And standing next to him is this boy who's like 10 years old. And I find out later that his name is Baron, that is, it's his son. And then I went, oh, yeah, that's right. Elena, Elana, Ivana and him all had a son. And I go, okay. And all of a sudden, this kid is standing right next to his father, where in this kind of a speech, it would normally have been his wife. And I'm looking at this kid, and I'm like, again, like absolutely stunned by the energy of this child. And I'm studying him, and I'm going like, he, he looks to me like he's got uh, at least a mild form of autism. And autism is often an indicator of, maybe always, an indicator that this is a star child. Because we, we talked about the vaccines and how, they, how the kids, are, uh, especially star children, are affected by it. So I just got like, this is definitely a timeline change because when did this child show up before? And if you've got a child that is autistic, to me, 
some politicians, if not a normal politician, would have brought him out and, and been having him with, look at me. I've got this child that I love so much, and but he's he's autistic, but I love him anyway. I think it would have been would have showed another side of Donald Trump that might have um, won some people over, including me, if I'd seen him with his child before that. Um, so I'm I'm like there's there's definitely been a timeline change. So what? Let's go look at the images and Google and see if we can see what we think we're going to see. So the last time I had really looked at Trump was in the um, in the third debate, and I had a clear image. I spent 90 minutes watching this guy. I had a clear image of what I saw, saw, and I click on the pictures, and sure enough, yep, 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 that's what I saw. He had the red red orange hair that looks like a it didn't doesn't didn't even look like real hair. It looked like more of a wig thing, you know. I mean, the whole look of it, of his hair was, was something that you kind of like, it turns into your head. So then I said, okay, so um, let's see. Okay, let's just say Donald Trump put the images in. And up pops the, you know, all these little images. And two-thirds of them were with hair that I absolutely remember Donald Trump having. It's who I think he is, who I've always thought he was. I never saw the Donald Trump that walk, walk, walked out behind that curtain that had this very, very beautiful white hair that looked really healthy. The, his whole aura was, was different. The way he, he physically was moving was different. All of that was, you know, like, no, it was all the old stuff. It, two-thirds of it. You saw the, these white-haired and, and semi-gray pictures, but, you know two-thirds of it was still the red. So I never took that link down. And then eight hours, ten hours later, um, before I was uh, closing up, I, I click out the links that I don't want to come up the next time. And I click on that, and I, <laughs> I'm just like, oh, my God, I can't believe this, because virtually every picture was now white-haired, gray hair. And... You can find pictures of him with a, like, um, ginger. Somebody said it's like a ginger look to it now. But you don't see that red-orange flaming bizarre thing that he had on his head up until he was elected president, apparently. But then the timeline went and changed itself so that now the Donald Trump that ended up being elected is not the Donald Trump that was campaigning because there's a new timeline. And it takes a while for the timeline to completely adjust. And so for an eight-hour period, you could still see the old timeline with his red hair. And then now we're in solidly into the timeline where he is somebody much different than what we thought um, thought he was if you, you were just looking at the, the candidate. So then... I, I, Stephanie was, I said something to Stephanie about the timelines, and she, and she sends me this link to Starfire Tour. And that led me into the most... <laughs> I love this woman. I know you, you, get, you get this attitude towards her, like, you know, because she says she's doing this, and she's done this, and she's, you know, she is the, disco she is the discoverer of this. She no, I, I don't have no issues with her saying that she does this or she does that. What rubs me the wrong way is the attitude that 
She is the creator. Oh, she created the earth, and I created the universe, and thank God that I created this method, and thank God. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, well, it's, it's, it's like she's, she walks around with a gold statue to her ego. That's the thing that gets me. But, you know, everybody has a right to be the way they want to be. That's fine. <laughs> well, just, just to put it out there, I don't, that at, at, I don't get that reaction to her because it, it just simply is. Yes, yeah, she's the one. She's the one that developed this particular way of looking at things. Um, and what she was saying was that there was a timeline shift and, um, you know, and she was actually thanking people for participating. And so it took me a while. I did go out of town for a few days, but it took me a while to get back to what had happened in the meantime. Um why she got to that point, why she felt like, you know, yes, indeedy, um, there has been a, she said, a changing uh, catastrophic event in time. Um, okay, in August of 2016, she said she revealed that I knew, what, what she does and what I've seen her do is she has these, what she calls, psi events. And I've been following her for probably 10 years, more. And she has visions like sometimes I get like sometimes other people get of certain things and when you when you see them you it's a futuristic kind of you know blurp it's like a picture in her case sometimes she gets a lot more than just a picture of something that's, that's going to happen and she said that she decided in August uh, to reveal what she knew about an extinction event timeline looping nuclear catastrophe that was imposing itself onto our dominant timeline. Um, what she's saying, best as I can figure out, is that the, there has been a looping of, of, a, of a timeline that keeps kind of trying to get back in with this nuclear event. And she, she didn't explain exactly what it was, but you have to assume that it was some kind of a, a, a weapon exchange, a bomb exchange, and that she never said anything about it because she didn't know what to tell people. She didn't know any way of changing it, so she didn't want to say anything. But then she got a revelation that the only way to stop this extinction event was um, that it be tied to the U.S. presidential election. And so what she did was she started to look at the two candidates and the number of times that she could detect a timeline that they were on, where they won the presidency. In doing so, she discovered that every time she would find a Clinton timeline, um, it didn't end well. But every time she found a Trump timeline, there was no nuclear event. So she decided that she would... And I don't know the details of it, but basically she said, okay, if I want a leader, I, what, what qualities do I want in him? And it would, this was very subjective. And so she made a list of things that she thought were needed in a president that could get us out of this timeline loop of nuclear catastrophe and, you know, go into a different reality. And then she got people to kind of check what she was saying, so it was sort of like, well, we need somebody that um, is not afraid, let's say. Um, and so people would have to uh, kind of like meditate on the question and see which of the candidates was fitting those those uh, protocols. 
So it became apparent that she was seeing that Donald Trump needed to be president of the United States if we were even to survive. Now, I don't know it, what she might have done at that point to get people to focus in on, on uh, making sure that he he did become the candidate, I mean, the, the elected. Did you read the part of the astral tagging? Did I, you, I, well, I, I only skimmed it. What, I, 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 that's what I'm saying. I don't really, I can't really talk about that because I didn't have the time to really look into yeah, it. Was, no more. That part is really interesting because it also shows uh, the power of the collective and instead of... Um, that part I really like because it's showing, it's giving people something super useful to do. I mean, it's, it's fine to educate people. You know, if you don't get educated, you don't know where you're standing. But then give them something that they can do. Okay, you're telling me this is the situation. Wait, what can I do about it? So don't just give them platitudes. So in the, in the section where she goes into detail to explain, the, she labels the process astral tagging. Uh, because she's explaining that the, the technique that she presents is going to have a direct impact on the reality matrix. Like uh, she speaks in certain terms like other authors do that, you know, we're in this holographic reality that's like a computer simulation or some other projection, which is, which is fine. Several authors agree on that. Um, but what she's doing is she's giving them instructions um, to construct in your mind, in your imagination, this image of the ideal leader of what, like you just described, what do I want in a leader? How should he or she, you know, be? And how should they function? And all the qualities that are needed. Also, um, visualize or create this image in, in your consciousness of what that uh, ideal reality be like? What would it look like? What would it feel like? And then she gives them instructions that once you have this tag made, uh, how to send it into the astral field. So then, like so she said, there are, I guess, it numbers in the hundreds or thousands of people that know her throughout the world that she says have collaborated in this effort. So essentially, it's like thousands of these mental constructs shooting into the astral fields and beginning to change the underlying fabric of reality because, as you know, for things to manifest, they don't manifest from the bottom up. They manifest from the top down. I mean, that's one of the examples of that is clearly in photography. When you take the photos of the, a person's aura, physically a person could be perfectly healthy and then you could photograph like a dirty green area, and then a few days later the person develops some problem in that part of the body. Because anything that's going to manifest comes from the upper dimensions down. You don't manifest from the bottom up. So essentially what she and all of these people were doing, they were seeding, you know, like seeds, thousands of seeds, into the astral fields, to, you know, manifest into this reality the, the outcome that they wanted. And in that sense, they were able to throw a wrench in the works of this looping doomsday scenario. I'm not surprised that it's there because you know it and many others know it. But for the longest time, you know, they have this agenda of depopulating the planet, you know, reducing the world population to 500 million that they can control easy like cattle, 
and blah, 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 or uh, you've heard uh, Simon Parks speak of this, that yes, they love the earth, but they want, to, they want it for themselves. And when they see a beautiful landscape, they don't want to see another human being there, you know, that type of mentality. So all of that was, in, that was their seed of their reality that they wanted, you know, these cabals and their agenda, that's the reality that they want, a reality with a uh, small amount of population, and they own everything, and they get to enjoy everything, and <laughs> the, the rest are just slaves. So essentially what she ended up doing with her efforts is that they crack that, they, they over, um, like you said in the cosmic reality rules, you know, majority wins, majority dictates what the reality is, well, that's what they did. I think they, they must have saturated the actual field with all of these tags, saying, no, 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 this is the one that we want, you know. You can go stuff yourself. We don't want your, you know, uh, extension, uh, your extension timeline. And it came to pass because you've seen what a big change is on the timeline now. Well, I think that that, that effort that she made, okay, was affected people because in reality there there didn't seem to be any manipulation of the of the election at all. I didn't feel that at all. It didn't show up any place. But all of these people who voted for her, it was like, it was a movement. And it might be that by her focusing so many people, there were thousands, focusing them on creating this individual that would be a leader that, that was working for us versus the cabal, you know, we're, we're just pawns in their game. Yeah. And that the people that responded to it were the people that actually voted for him in droves. So I think it was the collective. They put that, that image out there, and so it comes down to a, a, a person who doesn't, you know, all they, all they know is that this guy Trump is now going to be this, this changer, this messiah almost. Um, it seemed to be nobody could quite explain why they were voting that way, except that that they will, would not vote for the other side. So she probably did, and I, I'm sure that, like I said when last show, I said whoever is going to be president is going to work for us because we've already changed the timeline, one person at a time, who said enough is enough. It's got yep. to change. Now, we might not have been as specific as she was as to how it was going to change, but that energy was already in the collective. And by her focusing and having a thousand people focus on certain things, um, it's, it's likely that she did have a massive impact. They had a massive impact on um, the election itself. Yeah, and uh, that thing of that, that looping, you know, destruction scenario, uh, it didn't surprise me when she, the way she explains it, because you look at human history, and it, it, you see this thing repeating, like, for example, every time a civilization becomes too powerful or too awakened, those in control, they have to bring it down to a manageable level. And you see this in Atlantis, and you see, in, you see this in so many civilizations. I mean, did you know that in ancient Turkey, 
there was a, a civilization that was matriarchal in nature, and they lasted for a thousand years. They, they didn't have wars, they didn't have poverty, because uh, they they followed my matriarchal rule. And, you know, what woman is going to send their children to, to die in a war? But, you know, they were too successful. You know, we had to bring this under control. So every time you have this... The situation where you have a, a golden age and a civilization is starting to wake up and they're going to, you know, break away from all these bonds of control. Oh, no, 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 we got to do it down. we got to bring them down because they're getting too big for their bridges. And it's, it's like, a, like a looping thing. And you keep wondering, what, why is this happening? You know, what, okay, is it money? Is it religion? Is it, no, it's the same thing. When you, it's more like what they do in, uh, uh, national parks, you know, what the, that thing they do that they call culling when there's too much population of deer, you know, they they open hunting season and they give off permits so to bring down the population of the deer. It's the same thing. They're, they're culling the people because look at, um, for those people that, aren't, that understand uh, bre uh, breeding of animals, like farmers, and vets and people that, you know, biologists that understand that. Look at the uh, degrading effect war has on any given population because who do you send to fight? You don't send people in wheelchairs or people that were born deformed or people that have mental defects. You send the healthiest and the best specimens. So you're degrading the population because, you know, these, okay, many... Many might be married and have children, but many are sent to war and they, they have no progeny. So you just destroyed a perfectly good specimen. And you and that, you know, it brings down the quality, the genetic quality of uh, the given population. And I don't, I don't mean to be cold and calculating. I'm just expressing the biological part of it. You send the best people to war. To war. So essentially you are killing the best part of your civil, of your of your population. So. That, that could be argued that I mean what, what in the um, uh, report from from Stone Mountain I think it is mm. uh, they determined that war was good because you sent all those people that were in the streets causing problems to war to die. Uh, you know, either either join the military or I'll put you in jail type of thing. But the fact of the matter is that somebody that's in the street, they may be the superior person because they're already out of the system. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So so I wouldn't I wouldn't argue that at all. Um what she said and I, I don't know where this came in, but she when she well she said on the day of the after the election, um it's victory, and an angel-guided miracle is ours. So at some point, she brought in the angels. And I don't know where that was. I did not find that. Did you? I'm sorry, could you... What is it? That on, the, on, on, the, on the day after the uh, election, she wrote, Victory, and an angel-guided miracle is ours. On November oh, 8th... No, I, don't, I, don't, I didn't read that part. I don't know what she was talking about, but I did find it very interesting that she started talking in terms of, of angels helping. Uh, she said, The Truth Reveal mission could not have been possible without the involvement of angels, 
who accepted the astral tagging truth reveal mission as necessary and worthy of their energy. So apparently not only did she ask that human beings participate, but she asked that the angelic realm participate too. Mm. So I found that that was um, that that was very telling. But what I did was, well, I, you know, I had to go up to New York, and well, I was going up there because my aunt's 89 years old and very special person to me. And let's see how many it was. Three of my sisters, a brother and a brother-in-law, came out on Saturday, and so from Massachusetts. And so we had this really weird kind of thing where I was with my aunt and my cousin Tom, her son, he lives with her, and then my family. Her family wasn't even there. They did. I saw them, but not when my family was actually there. So it was a real kind of, you know, they say the prophet can't go home type of thing. Mm. It was, uh, I felt very, I actually felt stoned because it's, it seemed so uh, like I was in a different reality. And I was really trying to keep my mouth shut, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I, I don't want to get the, get them all, you know, crazy or anything, you know, because they were all Trump supporters. But what I found was that instead of having people that were ready to go march in the street, they had already sort of come to the conclusion, well, there's nothing we can do now. Um, maybe we should give him, you know, some time. It wasn't, it, it, I didn't expect them to have been that kind of like, okay, well, let's just see what this is about. They were still angry, and they would sort of fluctuate between the two positions. But I at least was seeing that in this new reality, people are more inclined to be awake. Oh, well, what is this thing? You know, and, and, and not be so closed-minded and, oh, this is the end of the world thing that I was expecting, actually, to, to see. And, but so because of that, I was, I, I, I wouldn't just jump in and say, well, I did things like this, you know. Oh, wow, look at the moon. It's so big, you know. Uh, yeah, it's a Death Star. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and my sister said, what would you say? And I said, it's a Death Star. Now, there were five people that heard me say it a second time, and nobody asked me anything more. They, they, they didn't want to know this story about the moon being a Death Star, you know. It was like <laughs> <laughs> they just sort of like backed away from quite a few of the... Oh, uh, to open her big mouth, huh? Yeah, but, you know, while well, I was giving them an opportunity to learn, you know, and um, my niece, uh, well, my, my, my sister Mary, her, her, her daughter and family came down, and she's a doctor, and for her birthday, she asked her mother to get a Shanghai pendant for her, and so she's, you know, everybody's just not talking about anything, just kids and, you know, and telling funny stories. My... I know why I'm a storyteller. My family tells some really funny stories. We laughed a lot. There was a lot of, of fun, you know. But she all of a sudden pulls out the pendant, which I had forgotten completely about. And I wasn't even going to get into Shungite. And she says, see, I, I, I wear the Shungite pendant. And I said, oh, I said, that's really awesome. I said, we actually figured out that um, I've made at least 2,000 of those pendants, you know. And I wanted to introduced her to the concept of the magnets 
and it's like, boom, they, they just shut off. It's amazing. Most of you're, they're into it. They're looking at you. They seem to be engaged, and then all of a sudden, it's like a switch goes off. You know, oh, what's my baby doing? <laughs> what, what, you know, um, the the person who seemed to be um, more, let's say, it, conducive to listening to really kind of like reality sci-fi stories was my cousin's 10-year-old son, William. And she made a point of bringing him there because he... He's different. He's definitely one of these different kids, you know. I mean, he he has trouble in school, just like you know most of the star kids, because they're really beyond what they're trying to teach him, so they're bored. He, as a kid, he as a child. I mean, young toddler type. Um, he always knew how to tell his mother to get where she ever wanted, where wherever she was going. If she got lost, oh, mom, it's down here. There's a stop sign. You take a right, and they could never figure out how this kid could remember. You know places, and then all of a sudden they realized he was also telling them how to get places he what he'd never been. You know, so it's like they were aware that he was vastly different than most children, and it's like Stephanie said, you know, probably woke his parents up, and that's probably exactly what he did. So he's got Star Trek on. He's got some Star. I don't know, Star Trekky kind of toys that he brought in with him. And um, I said to him, I guess you know quite a bit about Star Trek and Star Wars. Now, I didn't, I didn't, I thought about it, asking him if he knew about the secret space program. <laughs> but I didn't. I just said to him, and do you believe in extraterrestrials? And he said, yes. And I said, oh, okay. He said, did you ever see a UFO? No. Have you? Yes. Well, can you tell me the story? I said, well, it depends on which one you want to hear. <laughs> and then I went in, well, you know, there was this one here and that happened. And, then, and I just run through a whole series of explain, or just a brief definition of what kind of a, of, of a situation it was. And he never said to me... Um, Oh, tell me this story or tell me that story. I, I say this to him, you know, I give him about five options of what story does he want to hear. And he says to me, do you know what the Black Knight is? <laughs> <laughs> and for those that don't know what the Black Knight is, the Black Knight is a uh, vehicle that Tesla, in a hundred years ago, or 89, 1889, uh, discovered somehow, I guess through looking through the sky, uh, rotating around the... Uh, North Pole. It's actually been photographed from by the uh, International um, Space. Uh, what do they call it? International Space. The International Space Station. 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 I wanted to say vehicle. I'm going to something else. Station. Uh, and there was a, a Pepsi commercial, <laughs> and it, it it was very spooky. Um, talking about that this has been giving out this signal and there are people on earth that have been hearing this signal and they've been trying to decipher it. The actual title of the... Uh, and it was, a, it was like an advertisement, but it was an Internet thing. It never showed on TV. And it was pretty long. It was like five minutes or something. But um, the signal kept coming through and the, and the name of this, this video was Black Knight Decoded. And so they finally decode it, and it said something to the effect of, 
I forget what the date was, but on such and such a date, you have to show us that you want us to come back, that we were here in the beginning. And so that's what the thing is about. It's a fictional account of this, but it said, well, we say it's fictional, but in the beginning of the uh, video, it says this is not science fiction. So <laughs> anyway, but he knew about it. But I said, well, did you see the Pepsi commercial? One and he looked at me and he said, "No." And I said, um, "So you just know about it? You didn't see the Pepsi commercial one?" He said, "No." And so I, um, I said, "Well, just Google it, you know." And he did. And so then he comes up and he starts watching it, and he's watching his his uh, you know phone thing, and his mother says, "Put that down. I told you to talk." Not. And I said, "No." He's got. <laughs> I said, "I gave him something to look at," and she went, "Oh." <laughs> You know, so he's looking at it and he's looking at it, and finally he went and he turned it off. He didn't buy it. It was so interesting. But neither did he con continue talking to me. You know, that was the end of the of the exchange. Um, so you, you have all these weird kind of exchanges that were like almost like there was breakdowns in their reality, like a Mandela effect. You know, and they'd listen to some things I said, but then they'd just you know turn off again. But one of the things that I um, said to somebody, and and then I had to, and then I wondered because everybody seems to be, is that true? You know, and I said, I don't know why you're so really upset with with uh, Trump because as a child he was learning from uh, Norman Vincent Peale. Peale was his pastor, and they're like. Who's he? As positive, you know, power of positive thinking, and you know. And so then I said, "Well, I better just go find out more about him, so I don't sound so stupid if it comes up again, like it's coming up now." So I went online and I did look up Norman Vincent Peale. And when you were telling what she was attempting to do regarding imaging the the candidate that you want, I, I, I was like, "Oh yes, this works." Because, um, let me see, where is that? Um, just give me a second here. Okay. Um, all right. The, the the article I went to and, and was reading, and he's talking about uh, Vincent Peale, you know, and that um, what was what was what was the effects of of this of of him on Trump? It was about it was somebody analyzing this very thing, um, and it says as I discovered when writing a book about Donald, his father, and his grandfather. If you want to understand what goes on underneath the blonde comb over, you do well to look back to two crucial events in the early 1950s. Event number one occurred on October 1952 when a book appeared called The Power of Positive Thinking, written by Dr. Norman Vincent Peale and translated into 15 languages. It remained on the New York Times bestseller list for 186 weeks and sold 5 million copies. Donald was only six years old at the time. He didn't read it until much later, but... On Sundays, his parents, Fred and Mary, um, took him to 
the church where Peel was was the uh, the pastor, head pastor. Um, he was married there, and well, at least one of his weddings was there. Um, his sisters were married there, and Fred and Mary, their funerals were there. You know, so it was very much part of of, of his upkeeping. So. He said, uh, Trump said, I still remember Peel's sermons. You could listen to him all day long, and when you left the church, you were disappointed it was over. He was the greatest guy. The, um, Peel himself was known as God's salesman. Uh, he merged worldliness and godliness to produce an easy-to-follow theology that preached self-confidence as the life philosophy. Believe in yourself was one of his uh, test, uh, his rules. Have faith in your abilities. Uh, rule one is the one that I thought of when you started describing, you know, what she was doing with the people, you know, and, and these markers, these astral markers. Rule one, formulate and staple indelibly on your mind a mental picture of yourself as succeeding. Hold this picture tenaciously and always refer to it no matter how badly things seem to be going at the moment. Uh, another one is avoid fear thoughts. Okay, and in a 2009 interview with Psychology Today, um, he says, uh, he, he said, what helped is... If I, re I refused to give in to the negative circumstances and never lost faith in myself, I didn't believe I was finished even when the newspapers were saying so. So in the 1950s, in his early development, he learned to imagine, you know, just like we try to tell people, you know, just kind of like reality is what you think it is. And so he would create this image of success, regardless of what, and they went through a whole bunch of things where everybody else said, well, that was a failure, and he's going, no, it wasn't, <laughs> you know. And uh, so he had this attitude to begin with. And the other thing that he got from um, Peel's work and his the way that his father interpreted Peel's work, Fred Trump did, um, was the concept of branding, Okay. Uh, back in 1939 at the World's Fair, and this you're gonna you're gonna love this, Walt. You're just gonna love this, okay? Fred Trump put up a futuristic extravaganza, a billboard for Trump Homes, okay? And the theme was the world of tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> right. So you say it's a boys and girls. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And, I mean, uh, one of the, the fair slogan, it was a tweak of the fair slogan, the home of tomorrow, you know, Tomorrowland. I just I just thought, oh, my God, you know, because Stephanie's always referencing. And, then, and it's the Tomorrowland thing again, you know. She, she's, she studied that movie, and she knows when she sees something that sort of is a reference to it. Um, so... Over the years, um, as the public was walking by buildings and gambling at the casinos and watching his TV show, they continually began, were bombarded by the name Trump. 
and they were saying that he would put like Trump Towers. The words on tr Trump Towers on the building are actually bigger than than they should be, based on just normal accepted arch architectural you know design. And at one point, somebody tried to stop him from using such a big sign on a building. I forget where it was, but he had it in the contract that the the city had agreed to that said that he could do that. I mean, it was so important to him, this branding concept. So, um, and it says here, and in the process, Trump has created the armor-plated branding juggernaut, impervious to criticism, self-doubt, or self-reflection, which continues to roll over much of the Republican Party. Because this was, you know, months before he was actually, um, actually voted in. So, um, Oh, I want to tell this one story that Norman Vincent Peale said. Okay, this is from his writings. I recall the story I had read. It said that when the founders of our nation came out of the final session dealing with the Constitution, some of the waiting crowd surrounded Benjamin Franklin. What have you given us, someone asked. A republic, answered Ben, if you can keep it. This wide old, wise old statesman meant that a republic with individual freedom is such a delicately balanced form of government that whether or not it survives depends entirely on its citizens. Not on how much prosperity and security they have, but on their intelligence, energy, selflessness, 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 without being that selfish, <laughs> honesty, toughness, vigilance, and patriotism. In other words, their character. I am still convinced that freedom of choice is at the heart of all morality. We young people, he wrote, are fed up. Oh, he, he was talking to, to this one young person, and the, the kid came back and he said, We young people are fed up with lectures on morality. And do you know why? Because they just consist of an endless series of don'ts. It's always don't do this, don't do that, don't do anything. We're just sick of it. And Peel says, That angry young man has a point. Too often morality is made to seem like a gloomy procession of negatives. How much better it would be if we were concentrated on building the young man's pride in himself. What if we truly gave him the opportunity not to cheat if we showed him what a wonderful thing the human body can be without drugs if we gave him goals. He might listen to somebody if somebody said, why not control your life? Why not be master of your habits? Why not know the joy and satisfaction of self-discipline? And then I will give you all the help you need. And that just really sat with me. It was like if this little boy grew up listening to this kind of information is now the president-elect of the, of the United States, I think we can work with him. <laughs> I think he's got a lot of really good potential for leading us to a, well, especially away from the uh, the looping uh, disaster scenario. So we are at the top of the hour. That just gives you a feeling for what I saw happen. And um, we'll say maybe a little bit more. And then whatever we're going to, I don't know what we're going to talk about next, Walt, but we'll figure out something. So, Colleen, do you have uh, have a tune for us, darling? Well, of course I do. Excellent. And we'll be back in about four minutes. And we are back. Oh, wow. Um, for people that are not going to hear what was played, 
It was the sound of silence. I don't know who did that. I listened to it when I was in college probably a thousand times. It's disturbing. Did I remember Simon and Garfunkel? Yeah, that version. That was the original. But this, I don't know. This version is by Disturbed. Well, wow. Um, very appropriate. I don't know how you managed to put that one up, but wow. Um, you might want to pull up the words and take a look at it if you don't hear it on the uh, YouTube or on the audio that goes on Cosmic Reality. And speaking of Cosmic Reality, we have the Shungite store and a lot of the Cosmic uh, Reality book on CosmicReality.net. You can see links to um, Walt, on who's at New Paradigm Tools. This is Haggie Shack Production at HaggieShack.com, and it's simulcast over WolfSpiritRadio.com. Uh, breaking the, the, the sounds of silence, just... Everything, everything is changing. I mean, you, you can't, you can't be half aware and not know that things are changing like crazy. Um, Walt, you got anything more you want to add to that conversation, or where would you like to go now? Uh, no, I was just wondering um, if I could share with you uh, uh, something that I think I, I can credit to the Shanghai. I was sharing it with uh, Stephanie on, over the Facebook chat, but I don't know if you want to. Yeah, 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 wherever we are. Go, go, go. Okay. Um, I have the the main vehicle that I use for driving around is a 97 Ford Taurus that I drove here uh, from New York. And in all the time prior to encountering Shanghai and working with you in Shanghai and developing Shanghai-related stuff, uh, I change my own oil. I don't see the point of paying for somebody to change it when I can just, you know, get the oil and filter and I have the means to do it myself. And the uh, the engine on this particular vehicle takes four quarts of oil and I always change it uh, religiously at 2,500 miles. I don't do 3,000 or 5,000 as other people do. And I was kind of concerned that maybe the engine was maybe too old or not operating correctly, because every time I would change the oil, when I would drain it, after putting, you know, four quarts on the change, when I would drain it, I would get two and a half quarts, maybe three quarts, and that's from the crankcase and from the oil filter. And it was always uh, pitch black, like liquid tar. Couldn't even shine a light through it. But I thought, okay, well, it's got to be an older vehicle, uh, I also, back in New York, I learned of this product called uh, Tough Oil, which is a special compound made with uh, Teflon particles, and it goes through the filter, and it's designed to um, create like a lubricant layer on the inner face uh, uh, of the cylinder, uh, so it, it makes the oil more lubricating than regular oil. And that, that helps with the, uh, makes the engine more economic. So I always, I didn't pay much mind, you know, there's nothing other, anything else wrong with the vehicle. It's just that it made me think that it was maybe you burning too much oil, uh, you know, losing one to one and a half quarts when, the, when you do the change. And 
So then, you know, we we came up with all the Shanghai-related stuff, you know, the magnets on the stickers. I put magnets on the gas tank. I put stickers in, inside the engine compartment, and, you know, driving around with all that Shanghai on board. Um, this past Sunday, I changed, I, I bought the oil filter and changed the oil. And for the first time, I was astounded. Uh, it actually, I actually drained four quarts of oil from the car, and it wasn't pitch black. It didn't have much of a smell, whereas before the oil changes, the used oil really smells bad. And I was telling Stephanie, it was dark brown, translucent. You could actually shine a light through the used oil. I said to my mom, this has got to be the work of the Shanghai. The engine, the, the engine is burning the fuel plainly. So you don't have all this residue and crap building up in the oil. <laughs> so, <laughs> so a little bit of Shanghai-related tri trivia for you. Very interesting. <laughs> now, what, what, do you, what do you have on the car? Just the magnet, or do you have many magnets? Or what I, have have? The, I have uh, one magnet on the, on the tank, on the gas tank that I, I put underneath. And then... Um, to address the energy in the car, I had a sticker on the battery, a sticker on the alternator, and then I just had a magnet in the engine compartment on one of the sides. So now, are those S4 stickers or Band-Aids? Uh, these are the combo. Oh, okay. I have the both, both powders. Okay. Very interesting. So um, that, that's got to count for something, you know, in the vehicle... It's 1997, and now all of a sudden it's not burning up oil anymore. So it, that's that's got to mean something. That's that's a really positive change. You wouldn't expect such an old vehicle now to uh, you know change so much. I mean, in that in that sense. So well, well I I was um, talking to Steph earlier, and we got talking about Andrew Bartzis and his description of Shungite and she said remember he was talking about the the different rays and that Shungite is Shungite people are already in the eighth ray mm -hmm. and what is the significance of the eighth ray? That, I forgot to go back and listen to it you know because it was part of his when she went on his show and asked him to read the uh the Akashic record that you know what was it that it said and it was talk and part of it was talking about these these colors and I said did I cut that from our our presentation and she said no because you had colors in there I'm, oh you're right yeah, I'm right but I didn't pay enough attention to to I think what he was saying and what the what this change in color means you know what what's really happening um, you know the more I learn about Shanghai the the more I need to learn. It just keeps getting more and more. <laughs> it's like every time you turn around, there's something else that Shungite will do. Uh, one of the things I do want to mention, because I, at first I laughed about it. I thought, oh, good Lord. And then I thought about it, and I said, well, yeah, this is something that people should probably realize. I got a call from somebody, and he had taken one of the magnets to somebody else and had it tested to see if it was shungite. <laughs> and he's saying, 
I told the guy you guys were really reputable, but it didn't test out. And, and I said, you were doing the, electro, the electric uh, charge to it? And he said, yes. And I said, well, it's plastic. <laughs> it's, not it to, <laughs> it's not supposed to be able to do that. What's in it is the powder. And it's got the shungite and the raw powder. So I said, it's, it, the powder is real, but you can't test it when it's been mixed with plastic. So anybody that happens to test out one of our uh, resin, either a bracelet or, you know, anything else that you might get out there, it's not going to test out. It's, it's, the powder is in the plastic. Correct. We found that you don't need a big piece of shungite. You really need just the, the access to the quantum field. And, and, and it, well, it, it's like Andrew said, it's, it's infinite pow power in a finite object, and the finite object is actually the fullerene molecule itself. So if you've got the shungite in powdered form, you've got separation, and it's almost like we know that the difference between what's called elite or noble shungite and what we call raw shungite, and we mean raw because we mean it's not been manufactured, it's not been touched. It, it comes right from the ground. It doesn't go through any machinery. You're not get, getting pieces and chunks of of stuff that was partially machined and, you know, shungite partially machined. So that's why we call it raw. And then when you got the raw pieces, the natural pieces coming right out of the earth, it actually has a more, let's say, um, it, it vibrates with your physical body in a, in, a, in a closer frequency than does the elite. The elite has a, has a it's got a lot more fullerenes, but they're compacted. So the frequency that you're getting is like octaves higher. And, you know, it's fine to have octaves higher, but very few people are going to be able to work with shungite at octave high, octaves higher. Uh, Gene Rockefeller seems to prefer it, but then that's Gene Rockefeller. <laughs> you know, so most people don't need to put their money into it or anything else. But just be aware that the plastic is actually powder. And... The powder is actually more potent because, and, and when you're talking minuscule molecules and you're thinking about space between them, it seems kind of ludicrous, but it's the only thing I can see happening. Uh, that it, it, it has the space to really create different fields, and the fields then uh, work with each other, and, and they just keep getting more powerful. The, 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 it's, the, it's sort of like the pieces of the... the the fields all come together to make a very powerful um, energy device in, in the concept of the... Because we do have the magnets and the magnet ones, but like for the, uh, pet, um, the pet pendants, those don't have magnets. They've just got the powder um, in, the, in, the, in the plastic. So uh, don't go testing that and getting disappointed and think we're trying to rip you off or not. It's, it's the fact that the plastic is not allowing the... Uh, the conductivity to occur. Nancy? Yes? Dolly said she put a nugget in her tea water, tea. but it took the tea out of her iced tea. So she had <laughs> to remove the nugget. Wow. <laughs> Walt, you want to you talk about that? I thought it was uh, maybe a tea-loving alien that looks like a rock from the Nymph 5, so it just sucked up all the tea. But I could be wrong. <laughs> I don't know. I, I know it doesn't have that effect. Well, I, I shouldn't say that because 
Um, by now, we know the effect of shungite in uh, in alcoholic beverages. It 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 transmutes the alcohol in a way that you don't. It doesn't intoxicate the brain. You don't get that uh, that alcohol buzz. So I guess it's transmuting the tea, the whatever makes up the tea. Now, uh, is Dali saying that it looked like tea, and after a few minutes, it, it became transparent like water, or it just got lighter? We need some more details, Dali, baby. Dali, would you like to come on first? Well, I better ask the host. Yes, yes. Sure, we love Dali. <laughs> of course. Okay, I'll, I'll see what she wants to do. I mean, it could be that it's acting like it, just like it does with silver, where it's where it's actually absorbing it. My suspicion is is that um, maybe she's got lousy tea. I wonder if it works with every tea because if it's if it's rotating clockwise, it really shouldn't affect it. But if it was there was something wrong with that tea and it was counterclockwise rotation, then yeah, it would it would bust it up. You know what? Yeah, um, like I said, I'm thinking in terms. Okay, uh, we know. I know what what it does with the colloidal silver. That it loves it so much. So I'm used to seeing that. But colloidal silver uh, silver ions are not supposed to be are not organic matter. They're uh, metal. Now, when a tea is dark, it's the substance of uh, whatever's in the. Well, if, it, if you're dealing with a tea bag. You have the powdered tea inside the bag. So I guess the color is given by the microparticles that are now floating in the water. Yeah, we think. So if the particles have the same charge as you have in, in silver ions, I guess they would be attracted to the to the uh, nugget. I was really surprised when I did that experiment with rose oil. <laughs> the, a single drop of oil wrapped the entire nugget like a like a film like a plastic film it, it, it actually traveled up you know against the pull of gravity and it actually wrapped the entire nugget up I guess it must be uh, the energy charge of the nugget now, did you did you just put the oil on the on the nugget and then it just sort of took off all around it yep the oil it was a little I have a these the tiny dropper that lets you released less than a full-size drop and just left it there. And the next day, the entire thing was glossy, shiny with oil. And, of course, it smelled, smelled very strongly of the rose oil. Wow. Dolly's here. Hi, Dolly. Dolly's here. We can't hear her. Maybe you, is she set up yet? Well, she said she was. I see her picture. But I don't see her talking. You must have something wrong with the mic. Because you're mute minded. Mute minded. Is she muted? <laughs> I don't know. Well, she's not talking because otherwise her picture would be blinking. I know. Um, what I what I am I do have some uh, moldavite in oil. Moldavite uh, oil. I'm gonna try okay. it with the nugget. I'm gonna see what happens. Hello. There she is. There she is. Oh. Hey, I was talking, but I had to unplug and replug again. Sorry. You want to take a minute and catch your breath? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
So maybe, so maybe I'll try it, Walt. I'll put some of this uh, Moldavite oil on it and see if it if it takes it too. Oh, you're saying Moldavite and oil? What oil? Well, I don't know. I, I just got it from a friend, and it's a bottle of oil that's got Moldavite in it. Oh, does it have any any smell? Yes, it does. What's it? So I like? think it um smelly stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what sure. kind of oil is it? Because what they just heat up oil and stick a moldavite in it and let it steep for however long? Millions of well, years? No, I don't think it's millions of years. It's probably a couple of years though. But it's uh, it, the oil is probably some oil that has a smell to it. Nice smell, you know. Oil. I don't know what it is. And then they have uh, moldavite in it. So it's sort of like a homeopathic kind of thing where it would be infusing the oil with the moldavite energy. But I will, um, I'll play with it. Actually, I could play with it right now if I didn't have this cat on my lap. But then I'd have oil on my hands, and I'd probably get it on the keyboard. <laughs> Dolly, you feeling better? Can you talk? Yes, yes, thank you. Okay. Standing on my head doesn't help things. <laughs> well, I, I know that feeling. That's why I said you need a moment. <laughs> yeah. So you add, you add um, hot tea, and you put the shungite nuggets in it, and all of a sudden... No. Okay, no, tell us no. the story. I may, I you told me put it in the water for my of my tea when I make my tea. So I put it in the jug that I make my tea in, and it's iced tea. It's not hot tea. So I make my tea, and then I put it in the fridge, and then um, I pour it over my ice. I'll be darned if it didn't take the tea out of my iced tea. Mm-hmm. I had no tea flavor. It was water. <laughs> <laughs> was it what, what, was it instant tea? Was it tea bags? Or was it tea, tea bags? Tea bags that I let steep for a while. So I had um, I had the tea colored water. I just didn't have the tea flavor. Oh, it's the flavor. Okay, now now it's, now you get it. It's I thought tea that was transparent because the tea disappeared. No, no, it didn't go transparent. The taste went away. The tea taste. So it's very healthy for you to drink because um, in the case of wine, for example, the taste actually gets enhanced. It does. The taste doesn't disappear. But if this thing actually neutralizes the taste, that makes me suspicious that, you know, how healthy is the stuff inside the bag? What, did, was it tea that had, um, like, peppermint flavor to it or some flavor? No. Uh-uh. Just plain Lipton's tea. Oh, Lipton tea. Oh. Uh-oh. What do you mean? Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Remember she was in the military. They used to use that to uh, poison, you know, enemy agents. I didn't know that. <laughs> he's, he's kidding you. He's kidding you. Uh, but it's commercial tea, you know. God only knows what really happens to it. Because remember, you, you're talking energies. And um, I don't know what... what uh, I'll, I'll have to go out and get some tea bags, different tea bags, and see if they're if it doesn't change, you know, based on the quality of the tea. Uh-huh. Was it old tea? Had you had it for a while? No. Uh-uh. No. It was new. I go through tea like like there's no, like it's going to end tomorrow and I'm afraid I won't get any more. 
I drink tea all day long, so I get new tea all the time, new tea bags. Doesn't that give you constipation? <laughs> well, I'm serious, you know. No. Exactly. And, and, well, see, I drink coffee, too. And coffee is my laxative. Oh, sounds like you, you drink malt coffee. <laughs> I don't know. It's coffee. I grind well, up the beans and I put them in the For example, I've used um, nuggets in coffee. You know, and when the I, I have the drip coffee maker, and yeah. I put nuggets in the decanter, and it, the, the the taste is actually better. And we've experienced uh, wine, nuggets in wine, and the taste becomes better. So if this thing actually neutralizes the taste. That means that that whatever is in that bag is not very healthy for you. I mean, that's my reasoning. Hmm. That's what I wondered. What? Do you have, do you have other teas that you could try? No, I only get Lipton. Only get Lipton. Yeah, sorry. I don't have any tea here, but we'll look into that. I do because you do. Do you do you you don't put the nuggets in your tea though? No, I haven't yet, but I've got all kinds of teas. So oh, good, good, good. See, we've got our own inbuilt here experiment. So <laughs> when you get when you get twinings, uh, Dolly, that's really delicious. Twining, Earl yeah. Grey. Uh-huh. Oh, I don't like Earl Grey. Yeah. Well, no, they they have different. Uh, yeah, the twining thing has different uh, flavors, but that's really nice. So, Walt, you've been putting shungite in your tea water, or not? You've been just using shungite. No, like, not in tea. No, I've, I've used it in coffee, and uh, like I said, coffee and wine. Uh, I don't remember trying it in milk. But it, it 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 hasn't crossed my mind to put a, a nugget in in the tea. I guess I'll try it. I, I use twinings because it has such really beautiful flavor. I also put cardamom in my tea because it enhances the it makes the, the taste really good. Um, I guess I'll I'll try a nugget. See what happens if I get the same results. Where do you get twinings? Supermarket. Target, oh, okay. Aldi's. So I could look in Publix and maybe they have it. Yeah, they should have it because Nancy told me that Publix has everything, you know. Rockets, submarines, oh. <laughs> they sell everything. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> You're funny. <laughs> I, I don't know what to tell you because I, I don't even put it in the coffee. I just, well, my water system is shunguided, so I don't think to do that. Well, that's why I was thinking. Well, geez, I put the. I already have the the shungai on my water intake from the outside to the in house. So shungai is all over in my house in the waters. So even it's even in the toilet when I flush the toilet. Right, and when you you got a magnet on the refrigerator, correct? Yes, yes. So. And then I put the nugget inside of the tea water, and I'm thinking, boy, this is going to really get shungited. <laughs> and when I drank the tea, I said, what the hell? I thought I had poured water in, but I looked at the color because I had it in a dark cup. And and I looked at the color and said, no, I did put tea in here, but it tasted like ice water. <laughs> Wow, another another mystery, Shungite mystery. 
I don't know. We'll have to look at it. Someone here in the chat is putting a comment. It said that all commercial tea is quite loaded with fluoride and fluorine. I don't know. Mirthling put that in there. I, I don't know. Well, it's got to be, it, be loaded with something because it purified to the water for me. Well, this will be a great test because if you get different tea and it doesn't do that, but the commercial, like I say, Lipton, um, you know, has that effect, well, then, wow. That's a testimonial to what Stungite does. Yeah. Cause have I've you ever done the muscle testing on the tea, see if your body wants it? Say what? Have you ever done muscle testing to confirm that? Your body, you do it with food and supplements and medicine. It, it's uh, kinesiology, muscle testing, and that way you you can determine if the body wants it or not. I always do that with when I buy supplements, even though I intellectually I might think, oh, I think I should be taking more of this. I always try it. I do the muscle testing, and your body has the last word. It, it tells you, yeah, I want this. No, I don't want this. So that's that's one way of confirming. You know, like food stuffs and and other things. Uh, if it's how good. do you, how do you do that muscle testing? Well, uh, what you do is with your left arm. You know, you bend your left arm, and using your your elbow, your forearm, you hold whatever it is against the side of your torso. That area right below the left breast is where your spleen is located. Okay. So you want to hold it there near the spleen. And you just make a, a loop with your index finger and your thumb, and you make another one with your right hand, and you can and you put the two loops together like the links in a chain, and just hold it firmly. And when you pull the hands apart, if the body wants that substance, if it's okay for the body, you will not be able to separate the hands. But if your body doesn't want it, the hands separate very easily. So you hold the food in your fingers. No. No? You, as, as I said, you have to use your forearm, your left forearm. I use my, okay. Your, your, and your, let's say it's a medicine. Let's say it's a jar of medicine. And you're using your forearm to hold the jar against your torso. It's oh, oh. The area right below the left breast is where the okay. skin is. Yeah. So you're using your, your forearm near the elbow, and you're holding it against your torso. So that leaves your hands free because you're using your arm to hold the, the uh -huh. jar against your body. And then you just make, you know, two loops with your index, with your index finger and your, and your thumbs, and you connect the loops. Like the oh, links so in connect the chain. them. Okay. Yeah, like the links in a chain. You know, yeah, I got you. Now. The other. So uh -huh. if, if that substance is good for your body and your body wants it, when you try to separate the hands, the loops don't break. But if your body doesn't want that, as soon as you pull the, your right hand away, it, the, the loops separate quite easily. So that's muscle testing, and it's a way to check if something is good for you or not. A so, so essentially you get a tea bag, you would put it between your forearm, your left forearm, and your right under your breast where the spleen is, and then you'd make circles with your right and left fingers but you would intertwine them like a like a chain and then when you pulled if it wasn't good for you you'd easily pull apart you, your 
both fingers basically come apart and you would break the chain. If it's something that your body wants, you wouldn't be able to pull it apart. Yep. Okay, hold that thought. I'm going to get a tea bag right now. Do it. Go. And I'm going to tell you that as you were explaining that, I realized that the cat is between, is laying on my left forearm and up against my body. So I muscle tested. And apparently the cat is good for me because I could not pull my fingers apart. There you have it. See? And, and people can do that with, like, when you go to the rock store and you have a way to buy something, you can do that. You can muscle test it, see, well, does my body benefit from this crystal? And you can determine yes or no. Under my boob. <laughs> and then I put my hands like this. Whoops, that's not holding on. Hey, you hold on there. By my elbow. See, my boob's taking down too low. You get up out of the Okay. All right. Now, now do I try to pull my fingers apart hard, or do I just... It's well, hard just Yeah. I know they, they they don't want to come apart. Okay. So, so does that mean it's a it's okay? Or my muscles I like. It. It, I guess your your body likes it. If you they don't if you come it, apart, you the right hand and and the loops because yeah. you're not holding them so strongly that you're you know comp compressing the heck out of the fingers. It's just firmly holding them in the shape of a loop. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. So I don't if, even have white where my fingers are. Yeah, so if the body wants it, you know, you try to pull and they stay in place. If the body doesn't want it, you'll separate the hands quite easily. Well, I guess my body wants that tea. Okay. But the Shungite doesn't. <laughs> I'm in a hum. <laughs> well, so why don't you just make Shungite tea? And then make, and make them separate instead of together. I don't know what it'll taste like. No, I shouldn't say that. I know what Shanghai tea would taste like. It tastes like, I, I told Nancy, um, I make my uh, colloidal silver very, very concentrated, and it tastes like rose petals. Have you ever eaten rose petals? No. They're really nice. That's I didn't what, know you could eat flowers. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's uh, if you look at hot cuisine, there's lots of uh, dishes and special salads that actually are comprised of flowers. Um, rose petals are perfectly edible, and they taste just like colloidal silver. And I told Nancy, when you uh, put the Shanghai in, and the Shanghai takes away all the silver and it leaves it behind the distilled water, the taste of the distilled water is the taste of tutti frutti. Remember the... Tutti Frutti! I haven't thought of that in years! That's exactly what it tastes like. At least I'm thinking how it Oh my gosh! <laughs> Tutti Frutti! <laughs> oh. Do they sell that anymore? I don't know. <laughs> wow! So it's something we have to look at. I mean... You know, it's, it's very interesting. I would have thought that your body wouldn't, that the muscle testing wouldn't have worked. So now I'm like, uh, well, that doesn't seem to be it. We'll figure it out. Maybe, maybe yeah, not. Yeah, because my fingers didn't want to come apart. Yeah. yeah. When I've shown people how to do it, I purposely go and get something from 
under their their counter like a oven cleaner or bleach or rat poison or something. And here, put it against your body. See if your body loves it. <laughs> wow. No matter how much they press their fingers, they just get it immediately. Oh, you know, now I'm try my thing. chapstick. Oh, boy, you got me on a roll here. Now you got to try your chapstick? Okay. Yeah. Well, this will be good. No, it seems to like my chapstick. Huh. Okay, what else do I have? Sitting here. Ooh! Does it like my eye drops for my glaucoma? Try that out. I've never done this before. You're supposed to have those in the refrigerator. Nobody told me that. Yeah, glaucoma drops are supposed to be refrigerated. Seriously? Says right, well, if you're using the same ones I'm using, says it right on the container, on the box, refrigerated after opening. Well, if I could read the damn words on the bottle, maybe I'd be able to see it. They should have told you that. See accompanying package insert, which I never do that. Perfect from what? Per, something a P from freezing. Uh, protect from light. Something with an R, it carton until time of use. Oh, must be retained. It doesn't say anything about the fridge, Nancy. Maybe it's different stuff. After after the show, after the show, I'll look up what mine is. Maybe we got two different things, but mine has refrigerator. I have Timolol, Maliate. Yeah, that's what I think I got, but I got the cat on me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can't see anything that says to refrigerate it. But then how do you put it in your eyes if it's so cold? Oh, it feels great. Really? Yeah. 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 Um, one thing I wanted to um talk about too, I'm glad you're here because I'd actually kind of forgotten it. Uh, when we were talking in, early in the game, I mean, like, you know, early in the game, you said that you didn't feel like the election was going to happen at all. Yeah. And Even, even when it was happening, I didn't feel it was going on. And Jean Rockefeller said that she couldn't feel Hillary there, you know. And this was like... Really? Yeah, this was like summer, springtime, you know, early. Well... Apparently, and let me go back to my notes here. Um, she said, "Okay, she said because time shift time because time shift timeline edits have edited out an actual candidate that was to become the next U.S. president." Okay, so she. I'm just going to when she she's talk. I don't know where she got into the details of this, but this is what I found. Okay, so. So something happened, and the actual candidate that was supposed to be the candidate, the president for this new change of of timelines and new reality things, um, this male or female candidate is not anyone who is campaigning for president in the current timeline. This missing candidate may have never been born in this coexisting timeline, may have lived and died before being able to enter the campaign, or perhaps 
never achieved a life position enabling him or her to even be considered running for president. One thing is for sure, in previous coexisting timelines, this missing, missing candidate became president. More importantly, this missing candidate was the person the U.S. and the world needed to be the U.S. president at this time in history. How can I possibly know this? It's simpler than you think. In fact, I believe that many of you already suspected that something was very off about the current presidential campaign. If you have been paying attention, you have seen, historically speaking, some of the wildest, wackiest, and most dangerous campaigning ever seen before. It is so bizarre and getting even more bizarre with every passing hour that the news media, politicians, and people in, sim in general simply can't wrap, wrap their heads around it. They make excuses to explain the bizarre antics and situations, but none of these insights hits the mark beyond a superficial level. They can't because they do not know that the entire campaign weirdness is fueled by a series of time shifts generating timeline edits that have removed the alpha candidate. With the alpha candidate removed, a gapping political hole was created that naturally had to be filled. When there is this kind of edit, something will be edited in to try to fill the gapping hole. This then creates an alternative timeline that is vastly different than the coexisting timelines that had preceded it. Since none of the current or dropped candidates can compare to the missing alpha candidate, this opens the timeline door for strangeness and chaos to surface and dominate. This is what you are all witnessing with this current presidential campaign and election. So the fact that you and Gene were not exactly accurate in what you saw or felt, you were feeling that there was something distinctly wrong in what was happening. And I just thought that this was kind of confirmation as to why you both had gotten that kind of a, a different reading than what actually happened. Wow. So Where did you get that from? That's from Starfire Tour. Talking about this, you know, everything we've been talking on the show about, you know, a timeline shift where Donald... Wow. Trump is not the person who campaigned. There's been a timeline shift, and the man that is there now is not the, he's, he's an alternative Trump, one that has listened to Vincent Peale, who has maintained his human um, connections. Um, according to her, uh, this is what he, she, now she, again, has read the future, sees sees these timelines and sees different timelines. She saw timelines with Hillary in it, but they all ended badly with nuclear problems. Then she sees timelines with Trump, and everything seems to be very uh, beneficial. There is the, the break of the loop is gone, but the loop is gone. There's not a nuclear threat. And what she did was um, she said, uh, you may wonder what kind of, kind of president Trump will make. I've already given hints about this because I, I saw his presidency in detail. Here is more. Donald Trump is going to do the good and positive things that he said he would do. This includes trade, security, health care, the economy, lowering taxes, creating and bringing back jobs, and so forth. But he has also learned as he has evolved, and this will have an impact on some of his earlier statements. He will temporarily stop immigration from countries with known terrorist influences until a realistic vetting system is in place. 
In the meantime, he will render aid to the refugees. He will build a wall between Mexico and the U.S. However, when it comes to deportations, this focus will be on criminal elements and not the 11 million Latino people who have established lives in the U.S. Um, he knows better now, and he will come up with a different plan to include established dwellers and not export them. He will beef up the border law enforcement, and doing so will stop and return anyone trying to cross the, cross the border illegally. Well-vetted and legal immigrants will always be welcome in the U.S. He is going to reinvigorate blighted inner-city neighborhoods and bring them back to life from top to bottom and person to person. The educational system will improve, especially in the inner cities. Opportunities will abound, where previously there had been none. He is going to beef up the military and police as well to ensure that both groups have the tools they need to, make, to meet realistic challenges of today's world. This includes orchestrating the end of major terrorism groups. He will create a realistic health care system using a combination of free enterprise and the government that replaces the failed Obamacare. He will do the same for veterans care. He will put Supreme Court justices in place, starting with the one vacancy who will uphold the Constitution. He will have a cabinet of very smart people who get things done for the people and so much more, and he listens. Um, he, it also goes through some more, but it also says the Department of Justice will get a shakeup with a new head of the DOG. Well, I hear that uh, Mayor G G Giuliani is supposedly taking over the Department of Justice. That will be a shakeup. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, um, he said, she said that the Clinton investigations will continue and um, Hillary and Bill will consider leaving the U.S. to avoid consequences of their illegal activities with the Clinton Foundation and her illegal and breach of national security. She didn't get, she didn't get into anything about the pedophilia. Um, so there might be this, this missing candidate that never showed up um, that you and Gene might have been seeing. You know, this, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. There was another timeline. Something shifted, I think, that we woke up. People started waking up. People started to... And it wasn't just listen to us. It, it's like we're just trying to, um, let's say, listen to what is true, what we think the truth is, and then to put that energy into that truth in the collective. And I think other people have, too. And so it all comes together. And, you, you know, it's the numbers thing. It's the number two of the three... Reality is what you think it is. Majority wins. And those that are in control of a given reality will keep the first two in, not known. We're really knowing that reality is what we think it is now. And more and more people are coming in and focusing and putting their energy in. Um, and, and, and people like Starfire Tour who will take a chance to say, I think we can make a difference if we all come together and do it. Yeah. Now, I don't think she was alone. I think she's only one of many. And many of these people we will never hear about. You know, groups of friends who said, oh, let's just put our energy on Trump. We, you know, because that's what happened all over the United States. You know, groups of people said, I'm for Trump. I'm not for Hillary. I don't want Hillary in. And um, that made the difference. And not just in, a, in the fact that they voted, but in the fact that they put that in the collective, and that spread to other people. Because most people, well, I don't know most, but a large percentage of the people 
never made up their minds until just before they voted. Oh, yeah. You know, so... Well, uh, that night, the, the election night, when you were on the radio, I couldn't even listen to all your show. I just, I got this feeling she's yapping her jaws about nothing. <laughs> I didn't feel there was anything going on. I didn't even have the TV on. I just, I thought, I'm going to bed. I don't need this kind of crap. Because it, there's nothing to it. Well, then when I woke up the next morning, I opened my eyes and I felt excited. And and I had so much energy. I had goosebumps all over my body. I was so, so freaking excited for the first time since I can remember about life, about the world. And, and I didn't know why. So later, I, I get up and I do my chores. Well, after my chores were done, I thought, oh, I'll see who's supposedly president. And I, I turned it, and it was Trump. And then I couldn't believe myself. I was excited about Trump. <laughs> I thought, oh, my God, we're free. We are free. We have a clean slate. We have a chance at a good life. That's what I thought. That's what I felt. I did, too. I was not a Trump Trump fan. You know, I was, I was bad-mouthing him. And, and the, more, the, the closer it came to realization that he was going to win this thing, the more excited I got. And I was like, yes, go, go. I mean, I had nothing in the game. You know, there was, I had nothing in the game. I'd been telling you, don't, don't bother to vote. But as, as it, it, it was like, wow, we're really doing this. We really are changing. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It was a complete change. I knew we had gone into a new reality. And we took a bunch of people with us. Yeah, now Colleen's here busy typing, and she said, we who, the people of color sure didn't, don't. And Well, I can't, you can't say that. It's not all the people of color. A bunch of them. But not all of them. No, not all of them, but a whole bunch of them are. They're Why very, are they they're afraid? Because of some of the comments he made over the... Uh, election process prior to his taking that stage after he was elected because he made a lot of comments that a lot of people are afraid about but that's the old guy that was the campaign it's not the same man and if you go there well which one of them's going to get the, in the chair at the white house is it the new guy well, what they do with the old guy the old guy's on a timeline that's not going to be, be in existence. We focus, our focus is on, you know, a positive timeline. The timeline that was looping into nuclear holocaust, that's what's changed. That's no longer in play. I never heard him say racist remarks. That's why I'm completely confused with that. Well, he did. What did he say? Well, well, one of them <coughs> is his stance 
on the border and make Mexico pay for it, even though that when he has a building built, the subcontractors hire lots of illegal immigrants because they work cheaply. His stance on some of the things that he has said about women have a lot of women worried. Um, his things that he has said about Muslims have a lot of Muslims worried. Not just Muslims from other countries, but Muslims here as well. So uh, I'm saying that a lot of people are worried, and I think that we need to um, understand that. You well, know, I because have, when a man a says something, <clears throat> one okay, day... Have, go ahead. Sorry, I just have a question regarding all of this that you quoted, the stuff that the candidate has said during the election campaign, correct? Yes, and, okay. prior, and prior to. In the history of the United States, how many of the things that a candidate has said during the campaign have they actually followed through when they became the administrator, when they became the head of the administration? I'm asking statistically. How well, many candidates? Well, granted, very few. <laughs> But if you want to know what a man is, what have you got to go by but what he says? And as people have said, he says what he thinks. He doesn't stop to think how it's going to sound. He says what he thinks. He says what he feels. Now, you say another guy is going to take the White House or sit in that seat because it's a new timeline. Well, I hope you're right. But there's an awful lot of people out there that don't have any idea about this timeline shift that are scared. And yes, I don't think that we should be making light of that or fun of them because all of, you know, their reality is they're trying to survive in this world. And their little, what little sense of security that they have had, his words have, and his winning have pretty much dissipated their hope. Well, but Colleen, first off, it's not every black person took that position. It's not every Latino. There was a lot of Latinos. I didn't say all. I'm saying a lot. Okay, well, in any given case, you're going to have people that are very frightened because their dude didn't get in. In this case, that duty or dude or Mr. Miss Clinton. Um, I think all I, can, all I can tell you is that it's a different Trump. It's not the campaigner. It's a different version of Trump that I believe is president-elect right now. That man has not said those things. Okay? Now, if he comes out and, well, of course, he did put in some white premises, uh, supreme, what do they call them? White um, supremacist supposedly is going into his cabinet. The thing of it is, is that when I was with my family, I didn't address all these timeline things and all of this stuff. But I said to them, look it, there's nothing you can do about it right now. He's the president-elect. So instead of bitching and moaning and being fearful of what he said and what he might do because of things he said, 
why don't you just pray for them? Because they understand the concept of praying for. They wouldn't understand the concept of, what did she call it, an astral tagging. Yep. You know, but that's that's the thing, is that no matter what situation had occurred, had Hillary been in, there'd been a lot of people pissing in their pants. Well, I understand that, too. And you know I didn't vote for either one. Yes. So I'm kind of in the middle here. Because I would have been, um, well, upset either way, really. But I'm still, you know, I still also see where these other folks are coming from. Well, I can understand where they're coming from, but people are fearful. People are always fearful. And what I'm saying right now is that give the guy a chance. Give this timeline a chance. The more people fight it instead of saying, okay, He's there. Let's just bombard him with such good thoughts and good intentions because if he succeeds, we succeed. Well, I would like to take advantage of the, uh, the opportunity that the new president-elect presents. You know, lead by example. If, the, if it's good enough for the president to not pay taxes, I don't want to pay taxes. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. He's also, he's also a businessman. It's conceivable that he'll just declare bankruptcy for the United States. And then the the entire debt will be gone. Oh, we won't be able to buy anything for seven years. But I haven't seen a I haven't seen a bankruptcy situation where they didn't get around that. You know, I mean, I, I do feel for, I feel for anybody that feels fear. But my my position here is that let's just assume that the guy is working for us and put all your good intentions. We need more infrastructure. We need the we need people to feel that they're sovereign beings, and you know, and plus the fact that he's a friend of um, the Infowars, Alex Jones. And the the other thing that uh, Fulford has pointed out about this man uh, uh, in one of his uh, previous articles is that one of the reasons that DC was fearful of this man is because he's not a member of the boys' clubs. You know, all the the aristocrats. You know, they go to Yale and Harvard, and they all belong to, you know, the old boys' clubs. They're all, you know, uh, fraternity members, and they're all part of their secret lodges and whatnot. He's not a part of that structure at all. And not, all not only that, but he, he, he paid for the, for the campaign himself, and he's not taking any money. He is, he is refusing, like John Kennedy did, and I think it was Harding, to not take any money as president. He's not going to take the salary. Oh, granted, he might not need it, but the fact that he isn't even concerned about it, that he's saying, no, I'm not even going to take this. Yeah, and on, the, on, on Clinton, how much money does she, uh, she spend in the campaign from people? You know, because that money came from... Three times as much as he out of his own pocket. Yeah. I say give the man a chance. Mm-hmm. We don't give know man. what he's going to do. We send out the positive thoughts toward him. Give it, and pray the positive praise. Truthfully, don't can, sit there and say, "Oh, he's going to do this and he's going to do that." And also, that. you don't know what what candidate can you have that would make satisfied one hundred percent of everyone? Uh, yes, Nobody. Right. You could have Jesus Christ come back to life and be elected president. Well, now you know all those that are non-Christian are going to be totally pissed. 
Absolutely. <laughs> if Christ was president, the atheists would go nuts. They'd be in the street and complaining. Oh yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Listen, guys, we're over. We're over at the end of the show. Um, thank you so much for coming on, Dolly. We'll have to figure out this tea thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's again been a fun night. I hope the listeners have enjoyed it. Colleen, thank you so much for um, you know producing. And uh, what do you got coming up, Colleen? Mike? Hello. Is she there? Muted and not. Okay. Okay. Uh, What's coming up next? I'll be replaying Dolly Reads. Oh, well, hold on. Yes, Dolly Reads for You, the finale of Guided by the Light by Jules Rafter. Um, Because I already got that edited and ready to go. That was on earlier today, so those of you who missed that will be able to re-listen. And, uh... Then I've got replays of Just Energy Radio and replays of today's show, along with earlier shows uh, from the week, like World Talk with Friends, with Barbara Three Crow and Stephanie were on that one. And then I'll get this one up and replay it this evening. So it's uh, just producer's choice with lots of different things going on. Well, tomorrow we're going to be on World Talk with Friends, and Nora and you and I will um, have Neil there from Bangladesh, and we're going to see what the world may be be thinking or not. I'm not sure that Nora said, there's not much talk going on here in Italy, and I'm going like, well, they probably don't know what to think. (laughs) But we can always make things up because this is reality sci-fi, cosmic reality, Shungite, you can get that. And everybody, say thank you so very much for being with us. This is Cosmic Reality Radio Show. Love you all. Again, thank you, Dolly. Thank you, Walt. Thank you, Colin. Everybody. everybody. Yep. Let, let's just keep going on this new timeline of uh, abundance and bring the world together. Teaching. Preaching. The You have been listening to the Cosmic Reality Radio Show, produced by Cosmic Reality Radio. Thank you for listening.